That's great. Okay. On the morning of May 25th, 2019, my husband left the house for his usual Saturday morning bike ride. His goal for the day was 64 miles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so sometime after 10, I received a call from Tom's phone, but it wasn't Tom. It was Denise. She was calling from UCI Medical Emergency Room. And she told me that we have your husband here. He is alert and he's answering doctor's questions. That's all I knew, that was it. I didn't know why he was in the emergency room. I didn't know what had happened, um, but I knew he was alive and he was alert. <laughs> so I called all of my girls, all six of my girls <laughs> and a few close friends. And then I headed to UCI and all the way there, I prayed, God, I don't know what happened, but you do. And I don't know what the future holds, but you do. And um, whatever that looks like, I know you're going to help us through it. So when I arrived at the emergency room, the doctors were still assessing Tom's condition. Um, the paramedics were long gone that had brought him there. So I still didn't know what had happened. All we knew is that he'd been um, hit by a vehicle. That was it. That was the extent of it. So the assessment of Tom's injuries included a brain bleed, some um, fractures in his back, torn ligaments in his right knee, all the ligaments in his right knee were gone, um, a internal bleeding and a shattered pelvis. The top of his femur had gone right through his, the right side of his um, hip. Um, oh, and he had a lot of road rash and cuts. I should say gashes, because they were ugly and deep and lots of bruises all over his body. And that first day they did uh, surgery to um, remove the, the internal bleeding, to, to take care of that internal bleeding. And then they moved him to uh, uh, ICU. I was gonna say UCI, he was at UCI in ICU. <laughs> ICU. So for days, we still didn't know what had happened. We didn't know what kind of vehicle that hit him. We didn't know if it, it was a hit and run. Um, and in those first days, while Tom was in ICU, he said two things. He said, we need to find the driver. The driver needs to know that I'm alive and that I'm going to be okay. And the second thing he said was, whatever God wants to do with this, I'm open to it. I'm, I'm willing for whatever he wants to do. Several days later, we received, we received a text from uh, one of the witnesses. Her name is Tammy. And she had actually been in contact with the driver. Um, she was at the scene, talked to the driver at the scene. The driver, she said, was distraught. Um, and we found out that Tom had been hit by um, a pickup truck on Pacific Coast Highway going 60 miles an hour. The driver, whose name is Jack, um, was a little distracted by the waves because he's a surfer and he veered into the carpool lane. And he hit Tom and Tom from Jack's um, account, flew through the air about 30 feet. Well, she said the driver was very distraught. He'd been trying to get into contact with us. Um, and it took five days for us to finally get the police report to get the driver's phone number so that we could call him. And I said, right away, call him. I texted him right away. I said, this is Jeanette, the wife of the man that was involved in the accident. We've been praying for you. We need to let you know. Sorry, I wasn't gonna do this. That Tom is alive and he's going to recover. Well, Jack was on his lunch break for his, at his first day back at work. He couldn't work for five days. He was first day back at work. He was on his lunch break. And um, he told us that for those five days, 
when the ambulance took Tom away, he tried to find out what had happened. He tried to find out his condition. He called the Huntington, <clears throat> Huntington Beach Police Department. They wouldn't tell him anything. He called UCI. They wouldn't tell him anything. So he knew absolutely nothing until I texted him. He said he could barely eat or sleep during those five days, couldn't work. And he responded immediately to my text and thanked me for contacting him. So between the hospital and the acute rehab unit at UCI, Tom was in the hospital for 33 days. The first couple of days, he couldn't, well, no, the first couple of weeks, what am I saying? <laughs> he couldn't sit up and he couldn't roll over by himself without much pain. Well, he couldn't do it at all. Couldn't even lift himself. Um, a nurse would have to come and gently lift him and turn him from time to time, which was a very painful experience, even with um, his painkillers that were very strong. <laughs> um, his brain bleed and his back fractures repaired themselves, praise God. And on Wednesday after the accident, he endured a eight-hour surgery to repair his pelvis. Um, I was going to bring a PowerPoint and show you the slide of his pelvis, but I forgot. I didn't need a PowerPoint. So come to me church someday, I'll show you a picture of his pelvis. <laughs> I got screws all across it. Um, so the next Sunday, he had the surgery for, to, re to replace two of the ligaments um, in his right knee. So after 10 days in the hospital itself, he was moved to the acute rehab unit, which is right across the parking lot from the emergency at um, UCI. He wasn't able to stand on his right leg. So um, he learned, oh, on there at um, acute rehab, he got physical therapy and occupational therapy. Couldn't stand on his right leg. So he learned how to get out of bed into a wheelchair, the wheelchair to the toilet, <laughs> um, wheelchair to the physical therapy things. Um, and they even taught him how to shower himself <laughs> with a wheelchair. <laughs> now, he didn't do all of this completely independently because he couldn't yet. So I was there learning um, to do as much as I could um, as he was learning how to do it. After three weeks, yeah, three weeks at UCI, um, Jack came to visit. It had taken him that long because he just couldn't bring himself to do it. He was still very, very distraught. Um, and we found out that before he came, Jack was only two years into recovery from alcohol, and he'd actually been homeless two years before that. The morning he hit Tom, he was actually on his way home from um, a meeting, a 12-step meeting. So it was a bit of an emotional reunion, <laughs> reunion <laughs> when Tom and Jack met together at UCI. They both cried, um, and Jack was really surprised that Tom and I and all of our children weren't holding a grudge. We just readily forgave him. And so many of our friends and acquaintances had the same thing. Well, how can you forgive this guy? In fact, sadly to say, some of our Christian friends didn't understand why we didn't sue him. There was a woman from church the first Sunday that we were back at church and she said, well, I guess that guy's gonna support you for the rest of your life. Isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. And that thought had never occurred to us. This was an accident. And we know that God is sovereign over everything that happens in our life. This was unexpected for us, but not for him. <laughs> so Tom spent 33 days um, at UCI, and then he came home. He started physical yeah, in-home physical therapy, and then he moved to outpatient physical therapy and was in outpatient physical therapy for over a year. He used his broken bike to set up a trainer at home so that he could still do some biking, purchased a new bike for when he could get back on, back on not on the road, <laughs> on the bike trails. <laughs> when he got back on a bike, 
And he did that on August 4th, 2020. That was his first time back outside on a bicycle. He actually rides a bike better than he walks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. <laughs> he experiences lower back pain. He can't sit in the same position for very long. He can't stand too long either. And because of the nerve damage in his right ankle, you'll notice that he has a bit of a limp, but that should work itself out with time. Right after the accident, our daughter Sarah um, started a Facebook page for our friends and family and anybody out there who wanted to know. It's called Tom Sevilla Update Page. So if you ever want to look, it's, you, know, you can see the whole, whole thing from the day it happened. <laughs> um, so the tech people at UCI have an algorithm that catches anything that mentions their, their hospital and their university. Mm -hmm. And someone in their IT department found the Facebook page and contacted us in November of 2019 to share our story. Well, in our mind, we thought share our story meant talk about the excellent surgeons and caring staff at UCI. That was what we thought our story was going to be. And it took until January, 2020 for this meetup to happen. So Tom and Jack and I all arrived at the rehabilitation unit at UCI um, expecting to talk about UCI and the staff and the surgeons and how excellent they are. Instead, we were greeted by virtually every news outlet in Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to talk to us and to Jack about our story of forgiveness and friendship. Crazy. <laughs> so that story went through all the local um, stations, radio, television, newspapers, and hit the internet all over nationwide. That was Monday. On Tuesday, we got a message on Facebook from the Kelly Clarkson show. Mm -hmm. At first, we thought, ha, you're right. Somebody's, somebody's messing with us. But we got the message. Jack got the message. And our daughter, Sarah, who started the Facebook page, got the message. So we called and it was legit. It was really the Kelly Clarkson show. And we ended up on the Kelly Clarkson show that Friday. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I do when I go up and jerk on my notes. So during that same week, Inside Edition called. And we said, well, we actually have something going on Friday. So <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> So two weeks later, Tom and Jack were on Inside Edition. Now, when Tom said, I am open to whatever God wants to do with this, we had no clue <laughs> what God's plan was. But on local news and national television, Tom and I were able to say that we were Christians, that we firmly believe that God is in control. Sorry, guys. <laughs> And because of our relationship with God, it was natural for us to forgive Jack. Seriously, did not think about it twice. We were just living our life. Tom also said, holding on to things just eats away at you. It doesn't necessarily hurt the person. So I think if people could understand, then people would learn to forgive because forgiveness is a big part about your own mental and physical health. And Jack was able to say, I've learned so much on how and what it means to live by some spiritual principles and not just say it, but actually do it. Jack and his girlfriend, Tiffany, returned to church. They both got baptized and next April they're getting married and we're invited. 
She made sure I knew. <laughs> and Jack has now been sober for four and a half years. If we had responded differently, who knows what would have happened with Jack. So our key passage for this lesson this week is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And because I memorized it in King James, that's how I'm going to say it. <laughs> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Where King James says beseech, most translations say urge. The Greek word here means to beg, to plead, to encourage, to exhort. So Paul's not saying, hey guys, might, yeah, might be a good idea, you know, like kind of sort of to maybe give your life to God and <laughs> sacrifice him. No, 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 no. <laughs> he is saying, we were totally dead in, our sin, dead in our sin, helpless and hopeless and destined for eternal death and separation from God. God out of his mercy and love sent his son who's the only righteous substitute for our sin and sacrificed him for us. Through this sacrifice, we are completely cleansed from our sin, absolutely, positively, nothing can separate us from that love. Our eternal destiny is set, it's a done deal. And what life we do have left on this earth is under sovereign loving care of a God who has a plan for us and gives us the privilege of taking part in his plan. I have a missionary friend, his name is Abel. He lives in Africa. He was born in Kenya and became, when he became a Christian as a young man, he and his wife moved to Zambia and started a school and an outreach and they reach thousands of people now. So when people asked him why he left a career to become a missionary, this was his answer and that's why I'm sharing it. He said, Jesus gave his life for me. It only makes sense that I would give my life to him, a life for a life. I like that. A life for a life. <laughs> it's the reasonable thing to do, I think. <laughs> so when we think of sacrifice, we think we might have to give something up, right? <laughs> we might actually miss out on something. If I forgive this person, I might never get an apology. If, uh, if I have to give up, and I might have to give up being offended, not too, not too. If I'm too generous with my time, I miss, might miss out on getting my stuff done, following my agenda. If I'm too generous with my money, you know, I need to plan for my future, right? I, 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 me, 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 my, my, mine. <laughs> we offer ourselves completely to the Lord. When we, when we offer ourselves completely to the Lordship of Jesus, we do miss out, don't we? We miss out on anxiety. We miss out on anger. We miss out on bitterness and depression and fear and hopelessness and insecurity and add your thing in there. <laughs> yes, if we are truly surrendered to the Lord, we miss out on those things. So Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewal of your mind. That is the challenge, isn't it? As we were talking about in a discussion group, conforming to this world is so easy because the world is loud and in our face every single day. And what is the message that the world sends? Look out for number one. Mm -hmm. If it feels good, do it. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. I think you should use him one time, Jennifer. I did it my way. Yes, my way. <laughs> and what is the message we've gotten the last year and a half? Fear. Be afraid. 
be very afraid. That is the message of the world right now. So we need to make a conscious effort to drown out the world. And how do we do that? Well, like someone said earlier, we change our focus. Focus takes effort though, doesn't it? So here's a few ideas on how you can do that. Number one, pray, pray again, and pray some more, right? <laughs> Prayer is participating in God's plan. It is only through the Holy Spirit that we can truly live out what God intends for us. So we pray that God would redirect our focus and that the Holy Spirit would enable us to live it out in us. Number two, study. Immerse yourself in God's word where you learn about his character and his promises. Get to know the, get to know the God of the Bible through the Bible. Read the word, listen to the word, expose yourself to sound teaching, like here at Long Rata Church. <laughs> the more we know God's word, the more we know of his character, of his promises, and of what he expects of us. Number three, drown out those distractions. Discover what it is that distracts you from focusing on what you've learned from God's word. Limit your exposure to things that will keep you from living what you're learning, like maybe turning off the news, <laughs> living, limiting social media, and choosing wisely who you get advice from and who you get your counsel from. We need to weigh everything that we see and hear by the scriptures because God's word is the only thing that never changes and always stands true. Number four, seek accountability. Mm -hmm. Hannah and I walk every morning. Some mornings, my bed is just so comfortable. I'm in just the right position and the cover's in just the right place. But I know that at six o'clock, Hannah's gonna be downstairs waiting for me. And that makes me accountable to stay on track. And she says it does the same for her. But that goes for spiritual disciplines as well. If you know that someone's gonna ask you, how are you doing? <laughs> if you've been transparent enough to share yourself, and giving them permission, you're probably going to stay on course just a little bit better knowing someone's gonna ask. And number five, take one day at a time. Do we plan for tomorrow? Yeah, we plan for tomorrow. Do we make goals for the future? Sure, but we know that God's actually in charge of the future and in charge of every day of our life. So when was the last time your day went exactly as you planned? Okay, let me ask you this question. Have you ever had a day that went exactly as you planned? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if we look too far into the future, we might actually miss what God has for us today. One Christmas season, Hannah and I um, were doing Christmassy things, right? So we were going, we were in a hurry. So we're going to stop it in and out and do just that. Go buy our food, leave with the food. While we're waiting for our food, I noticed a woman sitting at a table with just a cup of water, which is a pretty good indication that she probably doesn't have money for food. So I asked her, would you like me to buy you some food? And she said, yes, but I think it might take too long. And I said, I'll tell you what, I will, when my food comes, I will give you mine and I'll just go and order something else for me. So that all happened. My food came, the second order came, Hannah and I were getting ready to leave. And she actually reached out her hand and said, don't leave. I don't want to eat alone. So we, our in and out visit was more like an hour and a half. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Hannah and I had our plan for the day. We had our agenda, but God had a different idea. <laughs> he had a different plan that day. So being a sacrifice doesn't necessarily mean you have to go out there and do heroic things. It just means being aware and alert of what's going on around you and where God might be pointing something to you to, to, to help out with. So what is your reaction when your day doesn't go as you planned? Hmm. <laughs> where might you need to refocus today and take some practical steps to do that? Take one day at a time. Now, some days we do great, don't we? We see God here. We see God there. We join in with him. And some days we completely blow it. Okay, some days I completely blow it. I go to bed at night just confessing everything. <laughs> grouched at the kids, grouched at my husband, watched too much of this. Just something where I know I didn't live that day as I should have. So then we give it to God and we start over because there's always tomorrow, isn't there? <laughs> the great news about the mercies of God that are mentioned in Romans 12.1 is that they are eternal. In Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, we read, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So our life is transformed and our mind is renewed. So what does a renewed mind look like? Well, it should more, look more, more like Jesus, right? Whenever I read this passage of scripture, my mind goes to Philippians 2, 5, and 8, 5 to 8, which says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. When we let the Holy Spirit transform our minds, it changes our perspective and it changes our motivation. Now the natural tendency when Tom got hit by a truck going six miles an hour <laughs> um, was why God? Tom was in the bike lane, he was doing the right thing. Why did you let this happen? Why did he have to endure the pain and the brokenness of surgery and physical therapy? Why did he miss so many months of work? Why did we have to miss out on a visit to our daughter in South Korea because Tom wasn't able to travel yet? And why is he not 100% yet? <laughs> and we did ask why, but these are the whys that we asked. Why God, did you spare Tom's life? <laughs> You learn to talk to talk while I'm crying like you do. Okay. <laughs> a few months before Tom's accident, a friend of his, one of his cycling buddies, had been on PCH. He was struck by a car that was not going as fast as Tom, as the truck that hit Tom, and yet his friend died. So why did Tom not die? In an accident that should have killed him, or at least least left him with brain damaged or crippled, why did God spare him? Why were there two doctors riding right behind him who stopped to help before the ambulance came? Why did God provide an excellent trauma hospital and two very skilled surgeons to put him back together again um, and a skilled and caring hospital staff? 
Why did he make it possible to me to, for, to stay every night in Tom's room overnight? Why did he bless us with so many caring friends? My friends, Jenny and Renita, they came the morning of the eight hour um, pelvic surgery to sit with me until my family could come. Um, friends came every single day of those 33 days, often more than one to share their love with us and to pray. Our friend Doris came and shaved Tom every other day or every three days until he could shave himself. And my son-in-law, Corey, <laughs> I was going to a memorial service up in the Bay Area for my mom and Corey spent three nights with Tom, literally spent three nights. He didn't go home and shower, <laughs> I know, but he stayed so I could go to my mom's memorial service. Our friend Kathy would bring her ukulele and come do praise songs for us, which echoed through the rehab unit. People would come into our room later and say, we were singing with you out there. <laughs> we were, and when we were home, friends brought meals for weeks, for weeks. Sarah sent out a message on Facebook. Can someone build a ramp for my dad while he's in a wheelchair? And our friend Derek did this, just that. He came and built the ramp. When Tom promoted to a cane, he came and took the ramp down. And why were Hannah and Diana and Corey able to keep our business running for those many months while Tom was not able to work? Bottom line is, why was God so good to us? Oops. <laughs> and when we live our lives as a sacrifice for God, it changes our motivation, or it should change. <laughs> So do we do what we do to get noticed? Do we do what we do for God to get recognition? Jesus had something to say about that in Matthew 5, 2 through 4. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Now, even though we know that God is sovereign, God's got this, God's in control. When we're living a truly sacrificial life, we still experience the emotions that come with life. And sometimes life just hits us hard. But you know what? God doesn't say buck up buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> we have many examples in the Bible of people just crying out to God in the midst of their challenges and their struggles and their pain. I told you that I was able to stay overnight during Tom's hospital stay. So at some time each day, I would go home and take a shower and turn around and come back. That was my cry time. <laughs> the drive from UCI to my house is about 15 or 20 minutes. Now I firmly believe that God was in control of Tom's life, that Tom was in God's hands and he was going to help us through the journey every step of the way. Absolutely, I believe that. But that didn't make it easy for me to see my husband in excruciating pain. That didn't make it easy for me to see my once very strong husband struggle to even sit up and feed himself. <clears throat> so I would cry all the way home. <laughs> I would take my shower. I would, I would return refreshed and ready for whatever this new day was going to bring. God tells us, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's okay to be honest with God because he knows it anyway. 
The road to a life lived sacrificially, we all know is not an easy road, but it is so worth it. And God is with us every step of the way. Missionary Jim Elliott, who actually did lose his life serving God, said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Sometimes we think, I am willing, but you know, God, I really don't have much to give. There's an old song, well, old, like 70s, <laughs> that says, ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. He uses people just like me and you who are willing to do as he commands. God uses people who will give him all, no matter how, all, how small your all may seem to you. Because little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand. It all comes back to God, doesn't it? <laughs> Always. God initiates our relationship with him. God calls us to specific service for him. We act on what calls us to do, but even then he is the one who equips us to do what he's called us to do. He gives us to fit together to accomplish his purpose. And when we act on his call, he gets the power and he gets the glory. So the story of Tom and Jack actually isn't our story. <laughs> it's God's story. <laughs> Father, we do thank you that um, none of this is up to us. You call us, you equip us, you, you bring the ministries to us. We just ask that you'd help us now to be able, with your Holy Spirit help, to drown out the world and to see the truth of the word and live it out, even in the midst of the world that is upside down. Be with us today as we endeavor to do that. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.